Welcome and listeners to another episode of the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. On today's episode, we go through Drew's rankings and talk about some players that we maybe have some concerns about. Are you a Patrick Mahomes owner? Are you a Josh Allen owner? Stefan Diggs? Mike Williams? Stay tuned and enjoy. But before we do that, folks, let's give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. Kmancoffeeco.com, promo code slump. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump and get yourself a case today. All right, y'all. It's time for the episode of Juju Talk Sports. Drew Hagemann, let's get it. Let's bust the slump and let's enjoy. Welcome in Slump Busters. Sorry we're recording a little bit later in the week. Just some things came up here and there. So we're going to be changing things up a little bit. So we're recording here later on Thursday. You're probably already watching the Thursday night game as this happened. Thursday night game in the books between the Norwood Saints and Dallas Cowboys. So we'll try not to give too much away or read too much into that game here. First off, Drew, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Work was pretty okay. So get ready for the holiday season as always. And, you know, working at retail at Target, you know, it's, it's going to get pretty crazy here in the next couple of weeks. Overall, how's it looking for your playoff races? So far, so good. I mean, the only kind of, I guess the only league I'm really fighting for a playoff is the Caster League right now. Yeah, no, it's definitely getting tough down the stretch. Unfortunately, I guess I got to do a little bit of Monday morning press conference on myself because we actually had our seven game winning streak snapped by Fantasy Football Truth. Hopefully we get them on the podcast soon to talk it out. But yeah, I know we just had a rough day. Uh, Cam Newton, I got to tell you, that was not one that I was too thrilled about. Uh, Cam Newton gave us about six points when we had 24 from Carson Wentz just sitting on the bench at that moment. Five for 21, 5.8 passer rating, two interceptions. If you were wondering why Cam Newton wasn't signed until week 10, that's probably your answer right there. Cam Newton <laughs> is just not good at football anymore. Sorry, guys. It was fun while it lasted. It was a fun story. He may still have some fantasy production to be mine just because he does stuff with his legs, but Cam Newton overall, yeah, he's he's a bum. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, well, let's get into it. So, like, we're going to be changing up things a little bit here, guys. Instead of going through the top 12 last week um, and how it's going to affect this week, we actually do have Drew's rankings, which you can find at Slump Buster Podcast on Instagram and scroll through those, see if that helps you build your lineup as we head into this week 13, this pivotal week in the fantasy football playoffs. We're going to do a little bit of fantasy football change my mind, basically, because gone through your rankings. I obviously do a lot of the graphic editing for our rankings on Slump Buster Podcast. And I got to say, I noticed a few things that I just want to question you on, and I have my okay. strong positions on here. So your top 12 breaks down as such. You have Tom Brady at Atlanta, Josh Allen versus the New England Patriots. You have Lamar Jackson at Pittsburgh, Patrick Mahomes at Denver, Kyler Murray at Chicago, Herbert at six, Dak Prescott at seven, Jalen Hurts at eight, at nine, Stafford against the Jags, 10, Kirk Cousins against Detroit, 11, Joe Burrow against the Chargers, and 12, Derek Carr against Washington. Out of that list, what do you think I'm going to question you on first, Drew? Who is it going to be Derek Carr, I'm assuming? No, it's going to be Josh Allen at two against the Patriots. Oh, wow. 
I don't know. Like, I wanted to drop him a little bit further, maybe, like, out of the top five. But there's something inside of me. And I always have, like, when I go through my rankings, there's always, like, a couple of, like, I second-guess myself because it's like, man, is he going to have one of those days where he just exposes the defense and just pops off and stuff like that? I have a gut feeling that Josh Allen could have a big week this week. I don't care if it's against New England or whoever it's against. Like, I feel like for some reason, my mind's just telling me, hey, he's going to have a big week. What if I was to tell you this, that Josh Allen in his five career starts against the Patriots or five career starts since uh, 2018, three out of five of those, he had less than 15 fantasy points. Man, now it depends. Were those tw- like 2018, 2019, you know, like first couple of years or were those very recent as well? Well, it includes 2020 where he had... 12.46 okay. fantasy points in one of those games. He did have a game in which he had 32.3. So I will say that for your defense, but yeah. overall, over the course of his career, he has struggled against Bill Belichick. In fact, we actually discussed this when we were previewing that game that Josh Allen against the Patriots, here's his career stats as a in a vacuum against them. Josh Allen in his career has seven total passing touchdowns and six interceptions. He has a 56% completion percentage. He has a passer rating of 77.4 league average being 90 this is not an easy matchup for him no it's definitely not i have that feeling though that it could be a good one for him though i'm I'm sticking with it i like it what do you think his stat line is this week i think he can go for 275 in the air okay uh i would say maybe two touchdowns one to Diggs, and maybe another one to dawson knox okay and then that brings up the second part of that equation here Diggs. i mean i know we're going to bounce around a little bit Diggs against the yeah. patriots as well so Diggs, similarly he had one performance of 37 points so that was josh allen's pop-off week late last year but he also had 12.2 against them and you currently have him in your wide receiver rankings as the wide receiver three Wide receiver three, meaning you have him above the majority of the field at that point. Yeah, uh, again, I I feel like if Josh Allen goes off, I just got a feeling that he goes off with him. Okay, well, that's a disagreement there because I just don't see it with Josh Allen this week. I think Belichick has his number, and I think this is going to be a week he struggles. Who do you think is the second name in your quarterback rankings that I have an issue with? (laughs) I don't know, man. You're tough to read. I'm going (laughs) to... I'll give you a hint. It's someone top five. I'm going to say, is it someone within top five? Is it Kyler? It's Patrick Mahomes at four. Okay. Against Denver, because we actually had this discussion before the bye week where you said you didn't see Patrick Mahomes as a top 12 quarterback coming out of the bye against Denver, but yet you ranked him four. So explain. So I did say that, and I thought about that when I was doing my rankings, because I remember I was like, okay, I know I said this, but, and I was like, again, this is where the second guessing comes. I was like, but it's Patrick Mahomes, and obviously he had that disappointing start to the season for every fantasy. I mean, you even traded for him, and he was very disappointing for you, so. Let me add some context to that. So, yeah, this is his stat line since week five, his fantasy points per game since week five. 18.98. Okay, not bad. You can live with that, right? terrible week six 22.98 again not Not terrible week seven 7.74 week eight 14 week nine 10.44 week 10 36 he popped off against the raiders week 11 7.5 fantasy points against dallas Hmm. going against the denver broncos defense that has allowed 16.73 fantasy points per game against the quarterback position is a and is a top five defense against fantasy quarterbacks yeah. Oh, man. See, second guessing myself. But again, I have to be confident in it because it's that saying, you know, it's just Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, I, I think, you know, he could have a big game. I mean, Denver is, 
at least for uh, somebody like his caliber, should be an inferior opponent for him. I mean, you say that, but top five fantasy defense against quarterbacks. Vic Fangio, one of the greatest defensive minds of his generation as their head coach. Exactly. It's just, how are they going to play him? And if they play him right, obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to have another slump of the day. Don't mean to put the pun in there. Andrew Hagenbach, I'm saying here today, Patrick Mahomes is not a top 10 fantasy quarterback in week 13. Change my mind. Honestly, if he has a big game, I think he'll change your mind. Hey, we're recording this on Thursday. What will change my mind on Sunday? On Sunday, I think him having one of his best season stats. If he doesn't, how does he get there? If he doesn't do it this week, then I don't think he gets there. Well, I'm saying four this week. Oh, four this week? For this week, man, he's got to hit his mans. He's got to hit Travis Kelsey. I mean, I, I feel like he's been, I feel like Kelsey's been disappointing him a little bit as well. But also, too, you got to hit Tyreek. He, he's probably got some of the biggest weapons, too. And I think people underrate guys like McCall Hartman as well and underrate, you know, some of his talent. But you got Clyde back. You got Travis Kelsey. Obviously, he's one of the best tight ends in football. You have Tyreek, who's literally one of the best top who easily top five receiver in the NFL I I think if he gets those guys going it should be the easiest day for him should be the easiest day well you did mention Derek Carr so let's talk a little bit about Derek Carr here so Derek Carr you have him at 12 against Washington Washington of course has been one of the worst fantasy defenses against the quarterback position we talked Mm -hmm. about Denver being one of the best while Washington is literally dead last they allow a total of 27.36 fantasy points against average that's average drew (laughs) at 12 when you have quarterbacks against him going against tougher opponents Derek Carr what's the rationale I I like Derek Carr going up against Washington I just the reason why I have him at 12 and just cracking the top 12 is his recent performances I feel like his recent performances haven't been all that spectacular I mean his offensive line has let him down over the last few weeks and the reason why I put him in the top 12 now against Washington is because you know as you said Washington's defense has been struggling uh we thought they were going to be one of the best defenses in football this year obviously we were all wrong about that they lost Chase Young just recently so Chase Young's done for the year so I think that helps his case a lot with a weakened offensive line so I have him in the top 12 the reason I why I have him 12 is because I just feel like the people ahead of him are just going to be slightly better than he is okay and again in terms of disagreements here so Jalen Hurts you have him at eight that's another interesting one that stood out to me so Jalen Hurts he's going against the Jets this week man Yeah, I just think he's going to get a lot done with his legs. I know he hasn't been too great out of the air, but I think he can get a lot done with his legs. And I feel like he's going to have one of those big running days that we've seen from him. Oh, I don't have a problem with him being high. I have a problem with him being too low. When I mentioned some of the names earlier. Yeah, like, again, Patrick Mahomes against Denver, Josh Allen against the Patriots. I'd much rather have Jalen Hurts against the Jets. Okay, I see where you're coming from. I thought you were going to be like, wow, you thought he was too high too? (laughs) Yes, he had a bad game yeah. against the New York Giants, but, that's but not against gonna, the New York Jets, not... who the Jets are the 21st ranked defense against quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Okay. So I thought you were going off the perspective that he was too high again. I was like, okay, let me. <laughs> so you think he's too low. Okay. I, I, I see where you're coming from. And again, I just think that when I do my rankings, I do based on like a, a couple of different things, obviously matchups is being one of the biggest ones. And, you know, and, and one of the others is, you know, they're 
past week's performance. And so, you know, I think I had him top four, top five in my last week's rankings. So I kind of put him down a little bit. I was like, okay, he had a poor performance. You know, let me, you know, it's more of like, okay, he got humbled a little bit. Let's put him down a little bit, see if he can perform, you know, against the Jets and stuff. And then he can go back up. So a a, a lot of it is matchup based. A lot of it is also to past week performance based as well. Let's go into the next tier quarterbacks down and see if there's some names to stand out here. So we have Taysom Hill at 13, Russell Wilson at 14, Carson Wentz at 15, two at 16, Heineke 17, Garoppolo 18 against Seattle. 19, Mac Jones, 20, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, 21, Matt Ryan, 22, Andy Dalton, 23, and rounding out your rankings, Ben Roethlisberger at 24. The first name that stands out is the first name listed there, Taysom Hill at 13. Now, again, I actually will not think you have him too high. I think you might have him too low, mostly because Taysom Hill last year in 2020, when he had to perform in those games he had multiple 20 point outings if he produces a 20 point day wouldn't that mark him inside the top 12 yeah absolutely and that's the reason why i had him at 13 is because number one uh he is playing dallas tonight uh as we're recording so i i think dallas still got a very good stingy defense but if Taysom hill could produce in the 20s then i'll i'll take the uh the humble he should have been in the top 12 but i put him at that 13 as more of like a security safety type thing just mm-hmm. because just because he hasn't played yet this season so we don't know what we're going to get from him and he was just back from an injury as well so we don't know what we're going to get from him tonight how about Carson Wentz? Because, you know, we've talked about this too, that I think you've maybe yeah. had Carson Wentz a little bit too low in the past. Carson Wentz goes against Houston this week, and you have him at 15. I, I feel like this is a Jonathan Taylor game, like a, another just like a big Jonathan Taylor type game. If it was more of a down the road type defense where he has to throw a little bit more, then I'd give it to Carson Wentz to put him mm-hmm. a little higher. But I just have a feeling that it's going to be a couple weeks ago when you beat me in fantasy, uh, where it's going to be another like big, big day for Jonathan Taylor. So you think that early on the Colts won't have to really throw the ball much and right. Jonathan Taylor is going to be able to feast. Now I could see that argument. I could understand it because in that game in which Jonathan Taylor had his huge fantasy day, Carson Wentz only had 10 points in there. But overall, throughout the course of the season, Carson Wentz has been a top 10 fantasy quarterback. So that's kind of oh, like yeah. where I would just come at it from this standpoint that are you still kind of disrespecting Carson Wentz in a way? No, this is, again, I, I like Carson Wentz. I mean, I've said it before, and I think it was last week as well when I said it, uh, Carson Wentz, in his first two seasons of his career, he was MVP caliber, and he could have easily won MVP if it wasn't for injuries. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I like him a lot. I have no disrespect for Carson Wentz. I just, for me personally, this is just a Jonathan Taylor type day. Other than that, there's not too many other things that I maybe see like any potential disagreements within the rankings. Uh, Jimmy G against Seattle, he struggled in that matchup Heineke against the Raiders intrigues me but I could understand Heineke being at 17 Teddy Bridgewater might be a discussion just from the standpoint that he did get injured in their last game and there may be a potential for Drew Locke to play but as of today it still looks like Bridgewater will play so for the most part I'm fine with most of these other rankings was there any of those discussions though that I brought up that you'd like to just talk about anymore um not necessarily but I'm glad you brought up a couple because you know they're great obviously great discussions and stuff and you know I, I think a lot of people especially when they do ranking stuff like that they're afraid to have these kinds of discussions because you know I've met a couple people who do their own rankings and stuff and, and I talk to them about it and stuff and they get kind of like insecure and you know I was like listen you gotta 
double down on yourself. You have to trust yourself. And we have disagreements, me, you and me, when it comes to what I put out. But, you know, that's the joy in this. And that's what this is all about. Because you may think Patrick Mahomes is too high. And, you know, and maybe in my eyes, I think it's like, okay, he's in the right spot for right now. Hey, if you told me coming into the year, Patrick Mahomes would be talked about as anything other than a top five quarterback, then I would have called you crazy. But the fact exactly. is, we have so many data points throughout the year that suggest that he's not. <laughs> That I have to be honest about that conversation with exactly. Patrick Mahomes at this point. And that's why, you know, I want to bring it up. And hey, I could look like a fool this week. Like you said, Patrick Mahomes could go off. He could put 30 on Denver and suddenly we're stopped talking about it. But even then, I would say we shouldn't stop talking about it because oh yeah, I mentioned it because again, we have performances of 7.5. 10.44, 14, 7.74. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's five of the last seven games that Patrick Mahomes has put up less than 20 fantasy points. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you because even if Patrick Mahomes puts up 35 points or up to like 40 points even, I'm not going to sit there and be like, okay, next week he's my number one guy. I'm going to be like, listen, yet another good game, but looking at his past weeks, still awful. <laughs> and so that's going to hurt him a lot. Yeah, because, okay, so going down the list to kind of really emphasize where I kind of view Patrick Mahomes at this point in the season, or at least in this matchup, would I rather have Kyler over him this week? Yes, I'd rather start Kyler. Would I rather start Justin Herbert against the Bengals this week? Yes, I would rather start Justin Herbert. Dak Prescott against New Orleans tonight? Absolutely. Jalen Hurts against the Jets. I mentioned it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Jalen Hurts could be a top five quarterback this week. Matthew Stafford against Jacksonville. Over Patrick Mahomes against Denver? Absolutely. Against the Jaguars passing defense? And Joe Burrow, too, uh, against the Chargers. I think that that might, has potential to be a shootout game. So that's kind of where I have Patrick Mahomes. I look at some of the guys that are trailing behind him. The fact we're having this discussion at this point in the season where I can make a case for starting Kirk Cousins against the Detroit Lions over Patrick Mahomes against the Denver Broncos. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Kirk Cousins has been one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league so far. I mean, I, I saw a post yesterday on, I think it was on Twitter, and it said uh, Kirk Cousins is having a season of his life where he's got 23 touchdowns and three picks, but yet nobody's talking about it because it's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, no, that's 100% accurate to what Kirk Cousins' season has turned into. He he almost would be in the MVP consideration if the Vikings had like two more wins on their season. And exactly, I, I think that that would be a fair discussion. So with that said, again, Patrick Mahomes, I want to just hammer this point in because he has struggled so much throughout this point in the year. The Chiefs now have the same amount of games the remainder of the season. What is your confidence meter in Patrick Mahomes finishing above Kirk Cousins weeks 13 through 17? Uh, scale one to five, one being least likely, five being high level of confidence. Uh, you can't say three. Damn it. Oh, shit. <laughs> you read my mind, but <laughs> I would go more or less middle of the road at two and a half. See, just you're still trying to get that three. <laughs> Well, well, the thing is, is because mine right now is saying like he's playing awful. Just say like two or one or something. He's playing god awful. But the other half of me is like Mahomes. You you have to give you have to give him a little bit. It's Patrick Mahomes. But also again too, I, I think we can also have a discussion of where is Patrick Mahomes actually becoming human now, and our team starting to figure him out more to where you know they know how to stop him, and you know he's not going to be as insane as we saw him in the last three years. You know, because I could say the same thing about Lamar Jackson 
too, because I mean, look at Lamar versus the Browns through four interceptions. <laughs> you know, is it becoming one of those things where are, are these guys now becoming more human and are these teams starting to figure them out better and how to defend them better? See, I wanted to bring up Lamar to you in this discussion as well, as you were at all worried about him, but Lamar still finished with a 20 point fantasy day in the last yeah. two performances. So I don't think that his is as drastic as Patrick's season has become because again, Patrick's season just to kind of keep it in perspective, uh, this is similar to like, we're talking about with someone like a Daniel Jones where they could have a pop-off game. Yes. Yeah. But averaging about 10 to 14 points, that's about where Daniel Jones lives and dies. Do you want Daniel Jones on your roster? Probably not. Absolutely. And that's kind of what you're getting out of Patrick Mahomes, at least in fantasy. And I, I think this is a broader conversation for the idea of drafting fantasy quarterbacks super high in drafts because, hey, you know, I, I tried a bold strategy in a league. I decided to go with Patrick Holmes early, and now I feel like I'm hating myself because of it because I could have got production from a Kirk Cousins who went almost undrafted. I could have picked up through at least the last few weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo. I could have got Taylor Heineke on a streamer. They've been giving me as good, if not better production than Patrick Holmes has. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I actually got uh, one in one of my leagues, I got made fun of for drafting Kirk Cousins. And one of my friends is like, dude, you're so stupid. You drafted Kirk Cousins. And now I'm looking at him like, am I stupid now? <laughs> but that that's a stupid thing to even say in general from that yeah. guy, because I don't care about Kirk Cousins' real life production. We're talking fantasy yeah. football here. And even if you just are a casual fantasy football observer, you have to know that Kirk Cousins has been one of the better fantasy options over the last few I'm years. Saying. Because he's in no danger of getting benched in Minnesota. He throws more touchdowns than he throws picks. And he rarely has those games of under 15 points that just absolutely kill you. I think he's yeah. maybe done it like a couple times throughout the season, but they're rare. They're not frequent thing. He's not... Like I mentioned, someone who has a high level of variance like Daniel Jones. And I think yeah. he's consistent. He's steady Eddie. And I, I think that there is a merit to being steady Eddie at that position. Yeah. And, you know, I believe was in the last five years or so, he's been averaging almost 3,500 to 4,000 yards a season too. Yeah. No, uh, Kirk Cousins has been more than fine. In fact, let's take a look at Kirk Cousins, like fantasy lines to keep it in perspective. Um, so over the course of this season, here's his last five weeks, 15.52, 25.24, 17.46, 21.58. 13.16 okay so he lives in between that 13 to 25 point range he's not giving you the he doesn't have a 30 point day yet on the season but i guess that's just your philosophy do you need that 30 point day do you want a patrick mahomes for example who has a 30 point day but then gives you 7.7 points yeah see i'd, I'd rather and I, I see where you're coming from now because i'd rather take the guaranteed almost like 15 to 25 points rather than oh i'm gonna get like a 40 point day from mahomes and then get a five point day from him next week and i would say in particular in these rankings here this week with I mentioned again Jalen Hurts his ability to run and kind yeah. of keep a solid baseline if Jalen Hurts at least gives me 50 to 60 rushing yards 5.6 points guaranteed right there and then if he throws any touchdowns against the Jets which it is the Jets so I have to assume that he will have some touchdowns then by virtue I feel like he's a top five quarterback already from just that baseline performance yeah and i'm in that agreement with you too because thinking about it you know yeah jalen hurts against uh the jets at this point anybody versus the jets it could be trevor simeon i don't care who it is it could be it i i think he could have a day well don't tell that to the cincinnati Bengals as of a few weeks ago they they didn't have really much of a day anomaly yeah, no. it's been a weird year in the nfl sometimes we've had those we've had the jets i mentioned josh allen you know we had josh allen had a bad day against jacksonville a few weeks ago so this has been a weird year from that standpoint 
standpoint, but I'm thinking more often than not, the Jets are going to be bad. So it's worth it to generally bet against them. Yeah, we almost had Detroit beating Baltimore and it took Justin Tucker to hit the longest field goal in NFL history to stop that from happening. Okay, but in <laughs> fairness, I, I feel so bad for Detroit at this point of the season. Yeah, They've had so many of those. I have joked that they should just put in a bid to join the AFC North because think about it this way. They tied with the Steelers. They lost by three points to y'all. They lost by a record-breaking field goal to the Ravens. The only one that actually blew them out was Cincinnati. <laughs> They'd be in top of the division. <laughs> Yeah, they might have four or five wins if they got to play you guys consistently at this point. But no, instead they get to get wrecked by Aaron Rodgers on a yearly basis. I propose that maybe the Browns and the Lions should just change places and just see what happens. Well, and the thing is too, think about it, it makes sense geographically as well to have the Detroit Lions in the North instead of uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Because think about it, all those, at least from here, because I live in Akron. So for me, it's 40 minutes to Cleveland, about exactly three hours to Cincinnati, and it takes me about two and a half hours to get to Detroit. Fairness, and it takes me literally an hour and a half to go to Pittsburgh, which I'm actually going to the Browns and Steelers game on January 3rd on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a hell of fun. It's going to be in Pittsburgh too. So it's like walking into daddy's house there, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dad. I had to do that to you. You know it's true. Look into your heart. You know it's true. It's true, you know, and obviously I got face reality when it, but but yeah, I mean, geographically it makes sense to have Detroit in the AFC North. I wonder if I could find it before we're done here recording here today, but there is a perfect geographic map that some fan once posted that it realigned all the I conferences it. according to it. And it did make a lot of sense to me when I really thought about it because, you know, you have some oddities, like even Dallas being in the NFC East when they're more Southwest. I mean, is Texas really East? Okay. I don't really buy yeah. it, but you know, there are so many of those that I, I could kind of see where like a fan would want to do a geographic realignment. And who knows, we may have to have that conversation down the line if we ever get any expansion franchises, which I'm sure the NFL one day when they decide hey we want some more money we'll eventually do it so we'll get to that i point. mean it's a talk yeah let's look in your running backs real quick here running backs i didn't have as many issues with most of the rankings here at one you had jonathan taylor against houston two joe mixon against the chargers eckler against cincinnati Najee harris at four Fournette at five mitchell at six cordero patterson at seven you actually had cordero patterson in both your running back and wide receiver rankings but i can't hate on it because i do know that there are some formats that actually allow him in both and I can make cases for him starting at both if you have the option at eight you had Alvin Kamara which um you know obviously he just got marked out so full disclosure how the sausage made he sends me the rankings on Wednesday I usually post them on Thursday morning just wasn't enough time to adjust in that respect at nine Alexander Madison ten Antonio Gibson, 11, James Conner, and 12, James Robinson. The only thing that I thought was discussion-worthy out of that top 12 was Joe Mixon at two versus Jonathan Taylor at one. Because Joe Mixon, he gets the Chargers this week. The Chargers are so bad at stopping the run. Eris will tell you this firsthand. They are so bad at stopping the run. Their ranking against fantasy running backs actually isn't the worst, technically. They are 29th but they're 29. They're, they're pretty bad. But if you look at That's the real bad. life averages, they are allowing 10 more yards per game on the ground than the next closest team, which I believe is Jacksonville. So, I mean, it's not too far out of the water, but I mean, I mean, you can also ask Eris about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as well when we played them because those, both of those guys had a tear against them. Exactly. So, Literally everyone has so far through this point yeah. where people are looking at Brandon Staley sideways and saying, hey, I thought you coached defense for the Rams last year. Why is our defense terrible? Yeah, you had a championship defense the last couple of years with the Rams, but yeah, you can't do anything 
with the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the Chargers have good players too. They have Derwin James, they have Joey Bosa, but their first round draft pick from a year ago, um, Murray, he had 10 defensive snaps this past week. Yeah. So their defense is a bit of a mess at the moment, but Jonathan Taylor over Joe Mixon, defend your argument. Easy matchup, Jonathan Taylor. Well, I can't really say because both of them, Joe, him and Joe Mixon have been very consistent, very, being very, very good. But again, like I said about Carson Wentz, this feels like one of those Jonathan Taylor days where he goes off for that big like 30 point day just because he gets three touchdowns and 170 yards rushing and completely just goes off and at the start of the year you know I thought Neheim Hines was going to get a little more involved especially in the passing game but even Jonathan Taylor's took on over that quite a bit so Hines is almost at this point irrelevant in that backfield okay let's move into your next year down here you have Daryl Henderson at 13 Zeke at 14 Josh Jacobs at 15 Barkley 16 David Montgomery 17 Gaskin 18 Miles Sanders 19 20 Javante Williams 21 Clyde Edwards Lair 22 Jamal Williams 23 three Damian Harris and 24 Melvin Gordon the ones that stand out to me here Zeke is that strictly because of the New Orleans defense or is it because you're worried about Tony Pollard yeah so it's actually both because I remember Zeke got injured last week and he came off and uh, Tony Pollard started taking a lot of those uh, snaps because Zeke, I think it was his knee, if I remember correctly, that was bothering him. And Tony Pollard didn't get into the end zone. The next play, Zeke got in the end zone from one yard. But you can see him limping pretty badly. And I usually try to keep on reports and stuff like that as I can during the week. And so from what I saw was that Zeke, depending on his status and stuff like that, he could get limited snaps and Tony Pollard could, you know, get a good amount of snaps. And so for me, it's more or less, you know, how much is he going to get this uh, tonight? As we're talking about this, how much is he going to get tonight? Tony Pollard going to match him in touches, maybe get a little more. How is his knee feeling? And again, too, the defense for New Orleans isn't that bad at all either. So that also factors into it as well. Okay, what about we have Damian Harris down here at 23? I would say this is guy I feel like you maybe have too low. I feel is maybe getting a little bit disrespected in the ranks here because uh, 23, Damian Harris has been mostly leading this Patriots backfield. And I know they're playing Buffalo this week, but I feel as though that's not going to stop Bill Belichick from wanting to run the ball down Buffalo's throat. Yeah, and I, I think that one kind of just got to me a little bit because it's like, okay, they're playing Buffalo. I might have to hold back on Harris a little bit, but then again, it's Bill Belichick and stuff. So again, it was more of a less like an unsure type of thing for me because it could go either way. So that's why I kind of put him down towards that range is because it's not that I don't trust Damian Harris or Bill Belichick in any sense. It's just the fact that I have no idea what's going to happen. And again, that's everybody in fantasy football, but you know, it's more of a try not to look like an idiot or silly type of thing. So kind of comfort level, put him at 23. Sometimes you got to risk it to get the biscuit, man. Uh, what about Sanders, I mean, though? True. I mean, well, speaking of people that you have ranked over Damian Harris, but what about da- Miles Sanders getting that nod over Damian Harris? Because Miles Sanders, I mean, last week he put up 6.4 points, nothing special, 7.4 points. Sanders has been really irrelevant. Is it strictly because of the Jets? More or less so is because of the Jets. If you notice, I also have Boston Scott, I believe, in the rankings as well, towards like the bottom. Yeah, so, you know, again, it's one of those things where – it's more or less just because it's the Jets. And depending, I, I think Miles Sanders could, again, anybody could do well against the Jets. But also, too, I have Boston Scott not too far behind him because if 
Miles Sanders does do poorly, obviously Boston Scott's been the guy that came in and filled in. So I, I throw him in there just behind him just because it's like, hey, if you're not going to do it, Boston Scott will. Well, this this is interesting, though, because you have Clyde Edwards at 21. You're very confident in Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you have him as top five quarterback. But Clyde Edwards, where you don't imagine as much of that contributor against the Broncos? It's more or less because I think Mahomes is going to throw a lot in this game. I think he's going to go into the air quite a bit. It's more or less to, I, I, it's not, I'm not trying to get into Andy Reid's head and exactly what he's going to do, obviously, because I'm not a cheeseburger loving coach. But for me, it's going to be one of those games where I have a feeling that Mahomes is going to throw for 40 passes or so, and the the run game is not going to be utilized as much. Now, I have Williams in there more or less for, again, for the passing game, just in case we get some dump screens if Kelsey and Hill aren't there. So that's why I have uh, Williams ranked in there as well as more or less just passing game reasons. Good on running backs. Let's look at wide receivers. And there's one that stood out to me right out the gate that's not even in your top 12, but overall has just been a fantasy dud that you're still giving a little bit of respect towards but i'm struggling to find why 24 yeah mike williams mike williams over the last stretch of weeks has given you performances of 5.9 one performance of 18.2 before that though was 5.3 6.8 2.9 3.7 pop week in week 5 32.5 uh but before that another subpar effort as i have him with a yes i have him with less than 10 fantasy points again mike williams top 24 I feel like this is more just based against playing Cincinnati and, and how Justin Herbert plays. Because uh, I know Justin Herbert spreads the ball quite well. but not well I have to Mike Williams. Yeah, well, not anymore, at least. Because he used to use Mike Williams and like Mike Williams, but it seems like not anymore. But again, it's just one of those gut feelings that for some reason, like he's going to throw the ball to Mike Williams. And it's like, shit, he's going to throw it to Mike Williams. and But this is not get, like a new thing. That's why I guess I should no. pick up Mike Williams' name because you have had Mike Williams consistently within the top 24 yeah I guess it's just one of those things for me where it's just like okay he's gonna get him involved okay he's gonna get him involved okay he's gonna get him involved and it's just not happened and but if you're I, a I fantasy think, owner like what confidence do you have with when he's giving you these performances I mean he, that's not even that's not even wide receiver four that's not even wide receiver five worthy I think statistically that's wide receiver 77 over the last stretch of games I want to say so because isn't this the Allen Robinson discussion right here? We can go that route. Yeah, this could be Allen Robinson. You know, just at this point, could it be worth it? Probably not. But for some reason, I just keep having this thought. And I was like, you know, after this week, I'm probably just going to be done with him. Yeah, because if I was to throw it to you this way, if you're in a daily fantasy league, are you spending any of your money on Mike Williams with confidence? Oh, no. Then by virtue, top 24? had no clue what I was thinking in that moment because I, I look back at it too when I sent it to you I was like shit Mike Williams at 24 I was like was that really a good thing I was like I, and I slept on it and stuff and I was like I woke up this morning I, I and like you said I didn't have a great feeling about it but I, I, again for me it's one of those you never know type of things as well and I, I mean talking about it, it's not a feel good in my stomach either <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's another guy, too, that stands out. And I'll go through, actually, your top 12 on this one here. At one, you have Cooper Cup. Two, you have Tyreek Hill. Three, you have Stephon Diggs. Justin Jefferson at four. Jamar Chase at five. You have Keenan Allen at six. Deontay Johnson at seven. Evans at eight. Godwin at nine. Terry McLaurin at 10. CeeDee Lamb at 11. And Adam Thielen at 12. The next one, ring of guys down, though, there is another name that stands out to me in your wide receiver two range. DK Metcalf. That's a guy that's worth a discussion at this point, given over the last stretch of games, he has given his owners, uh, this is standard scoring, not half point, 1.3 fantasy points. 
last week, 3.1 fantasy points the week before that, and 2.6 fantasy points the week before that. I mean, you don't have to be good with numbers to know, Drew, that is not fantasy production you want to hear. That is a league killer production at this point. I'm sure there's plenty of fantasy owners that could single-handedly blame DK Metcalf for why they lost some weeks here. So that's why this week going against San Francisco, DK Metcalf top 15. So I have him in there in the top 15 is because I like him as a talent. I like him as a receiver. He's very, very good. And more or less like his bad production, can it be blamed on, you know, Geno Smith and Russell Wilson? Sure it can. But also too, there's times where he's made his own mistakes. Obviously he's dropped, he's dropped a couple passes here and there and receivers make their mistakes. The reason why I'm in the top 15 is again, you know, I just have a feeling that this is one of those days where, you know, Russ can get the ball to DK. Now I don't know if they're going to, win and you know i trust your 49ers to do the job at least i hope so and i'm it's sure you're where russ has a 15 and 4 career record against the 49ers so i'm never confident in that game yeah i mean that's very very fair <laughs> but uh i just have a feeling that again you know like you said that record i i have a you know good feeling that dk could have a solid game and start to come back well, let's see what he did last time they played San Francisco. He gave you a line of eight total targets, four receptions for 65 yards, and he did land in the end zone. Now, that's the make or break. If he lands in the end zone, fine. Saves his fantasy day right there. That's six points that you weren't expecting. You were happy you got. If you were in PPR leagues, great at extra points to seven total. But I could understand why fantasy owners would be like, man, can I start this guy this week? Can I feel good about that? Because less than five points in three straight weeks. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, because, you know... I have Jalen Waddle on my bench. Let's say I have Ayuk on my bench. And see, that's my... And that's what I was going to start going I start Darnell Mooney over DK Metcalf? I mean, he's been a lot better. And and that's where I was going to go to next, you know, is, you know, you could start him. It just depends on who you have on your bench. Could Mooney start over? Sure. I mean, I like Darnell Mooney a lot, but again, you know, it's tough to... And I'm sure you guys get this feeling, and I'm sure everyone gets this feeling, because, like, when you... Think about sitting a star player like DK Metcalf. It doesn't feel good because you don't know if you're confident enough if they're going to be good that week. Like, it took a lot of me. I think Timmer, what week it was, but I had to take a player out and I was like, really want to do this? Is it for the best? And then, you know, did it pan out? In a way, it did because they did get a couple more points than the guy I benched. But it's that feeling of, is sitting DK worth it? It can be, but also, too. Could it be one of those weeks where you actually do sit him and you thought you, you made a smart decision? Then he goes off for 20, 25, gets in the end zone, you know, gets 100 receiving yards, you know, and it's it's, it's a tough decision. But again, I just have that gut feeling that he could, should be a good starter. I guess it just depends on your process for this, because yeah. I, I think if you're just saying, OK, a guy had a bad week the week before and a guy had a yeah. good week, then that's a bad process. That's not a good process. The difference I would say is if I was to look at a guy like Darnell Mooney, he's been leading his team consistently in targets, had eight targets the week before, 16 the week before that, six, nine, five, eight, five, really consistent target production versus a guy like DK who last week he had four total targets. He had eight targets the week before that, good. Eight the week before that, good. But he's now converting on less than half his targets too. So that's where it's kind of like that process is I'm looking at the targets. I'm looking at the trends of it. 
And what yeah. do the trends tell me? The trends well, would tell me that I would probably feel more confident starting Darnell Mooney, who's getting close to 10 targets a game versus a guy who's gained four targets in his last performance. The only thing that I could say would probably make a good argument for DK is just squeaky will gets the grease because I'm sure he's not happy about this and was probably laying Pete Carroll and that staff know he's not happy about not gaining targets either. Maybe they try and make up for that loss reduction and force the ball to him this week. They're going to need it against San Francisco. And I will say this, you know, as a self-hating Niners fan, sometimes we have Josh Norman outside covering. We have rookie Demondor Lenore covering. We have Ambry Thomas, another rookie out there. The only one that I feel could really match up well with DK on our outside corners is Kawan Williams, but he's more of a slot corner. So from that standard, DK could probably have a good day, but you know, after three weeks, I, I think it's just like, it's fair to want to discuss benching him. I, I agree. I think it's fair. So the next one down, and this is going to your last tier here is just, it's a minor one, but one that I think deserves a discussion here. So you have Kendrick Bourne at 33 and you have Jacoby Myers at 34. Want to kind of like explain that rationale, why you were feeling more confident in Kendrick than um, Jacoby? Looked at the numbers last night. I obviously a long day of work. I can't remember the exact numbers now, but I think Kendrick Bourne is getting slightly more targets than Jacoby Myers, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm, it's um, here's I, the breakdown. It's about, even split, it's about even split almost. Eight versus six, Myers. Six versus four, Myers. Four versus four, four versus four. Nine versus seven, Myers. Seven versus four, Myers. Six versus two, Myers. Five versus three, Myers. So it's more or less Jacoby Myers getting the targets. Yeah. But now, what do the uh, do the fantasy points look like for both? Well, I know Kendrick Bourne had a really good day this last week. Okay. So Bourne put up 20.3 last week. Okay. Um, of course, Myers put up 12.3. The week before that, Bourne put up 6.9. Myers put up 5.9. Myers put up 12.9 the week before that. Uh, Bourne put up 22.1. So I guess over the last three weeks, I will give you that Bourne has outscored Jacoby. I guess the thing to ask yourself here is, is Bourne just getting lucky in terms of getting more touchdown production? Because he has landed in the end zone more than Jacoby has. So in fact, we know that's one of Jacoby's big drawbacks as a fantasy producer is the fact that he never scores touchdowns. I believe he has the record for most catches, most yards without scoring a touchdown in Patriots history. And over the last three weeks, Bourne has scored a total of three touchdowns, two last week and one two weeks before that. Like I said, I saw those numbers last night and my thought was, you know, I like Jacoby Myers getting the target shares, but for me, it's, you know, what's he done with those targets? And I feel like obviously we heard the points, you know, it looked like Kendrick Bourne does a little bit more with the, the targets he gets. So you like the red the landing... zone possibilities. Right. Because I feel like Kendrick Bourne gets into the, like you said, Kendrick Bourne kind of gets into the end zone a little bit more and kind of has that more reliability of scoring. So there's nothing wrong with uh, having Jacoby Myers because he does get that heavy target share, but it it looks like the production sense goes to Kendrick Bourne. I just, as my philosophy is I would like to have the targets because at least I'm knowing yeah. he's gained the targets because if Bourne doesn't land in the end zone, then that changes the, the way you look at both those guys. I, I talk to my coworkers a lot because they like fantasy football and they always come to me for advice. Um, so they're like, Andrew, should I get this guy or this guy? And I'm like, well, go with this guy because he gets the targets and I trust him more to get the ball than this guy would. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And so I, I, I agree. I like the philosophy of the more targets, the better. Here's what I'll, I'll give you though. I'll, I'll concede this against this particular matchup. Buffalo is going to be missing Tredavious White, meaning right. an outside receiver like Kendrick Bourne has the ability to potentially at least get a little bit more open. Jacoby Myers, of course, works out of the slot. So Tredavious White being out doesn't really affect him in any significant way. But if I was to say 
that Kendrick Bourne was going to have a good day against Buffalo, Tredavious White being out would be the dream scenario there. So I'll give you right. that one. It's the lower end of the wide receiver spectrum here. Obviously, we're talking about 34 and 35 here in your rankings, but I think it's important because I'm sure there's probably some owners that actually might have Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne deciding who should I start. Yeah. Let's go into tight end. And there's only one that I really wanted to hammer on this one. Okay. You have Foster Mor- Morneau at 20. Now, Foster has gotten his opportunities when Darren Waller's been out and announced at this recording, Darren Waller is doubtful to play in their game against Washington. Why are you so low on Foster Morneau? Um, because he scored 15 points in Waller's absence against the Eagles. He also put up 8.4 points with Waller in the lineup when they were splitting the following game. You know, they going back on it too, because I thought about this today. And, you know, I sat there and I thought, you know, going back on it now, really Derek Carr only has Foster and that's really all he has besides Hunter Renfro. <laughs> so it's one of those scenarios, you know, does Foster get a lot of those targets that, you know, Darren Waller got? And again, you know, it's like what we talked about with the target shares, you know, how much of that targets is he getting? You know, is he getting eight targets? Is he getting nine targets? Is he getting seven targets? Is- well, if he gets Darren Waller's target share, we know how valuable Darren Waller is when he's in the lineup. Because, I mean, there's a lot of times where Darren Waller gets more than double-digit targets a lot in a lot of the season. Like Exactly. So is this one that you kind of already are walking back a little? Yeah, it's one that I've walked back on. You know, like I said, it's one of those ones where I sent you and, you know, I woke up this morning, went to work, looked at my rankings, seeing just kind of like what I did, you know, being like, yeah, Foster, you know, I could have put him a little bit higher than what he is, but, Well, let's you know, talk about that then. How much higher would we walk it back because Gerald Everett against San Francisco I'd put him way above I put him above that Cole Komet against Arizona tough one but again I feel like Foster gets the targets more than Cole Komet and so Hunter Henry at 17 which I found also low too actually yeah Hunter Henry I wanted to put a little bit higher too but again it's one of those days where I didn't realize it until later on in the time after because I thought you know because at these times I thought okay this these are good spots for these guys and then I you know second guess myself when I wake up like yeah was was this really good or was this but you know again you know I'm one of those people where yeah I, I make mistakes but you know I'll double down on my mistakes because you know you look at people's rankings they're not going to be perfect I mean you can go to anywhere you can go to fantasy pros you can go to any doors and they're gonna they're gonna be all all off the wall I mean you know this guy could have Darren Waller at one and Darren Waller can go to and this other guy can have Darren Waller at five and you're like why does this guy have Darren Waller at five and you know he's like he's a top three at best and you know he might be onto something you don't even realize it and yeah and you won't find that out usually until Tuesday morning who was right or who was wrong but obviously you know what we're trying to be as accurate as we can which you know isn't perfect science like we unfortunately can't predict the future and if we could that would be amazing i i would i i'm not gonna lie i would full on do the back to the future strategy if i had the ability to time travel <laughs> i would full oh, yeah. on get a sports almanac i would go crazy sports betting oh yeah fan duels champion right here julian martinez because i have the results for the next 20 years yeah you live in a million dollar mansion you know you're living life <laughs> yeah i mean dallas goddard too i mean i feel like maybe he's a guy that you could say has been coasting off name recognition because you do have him ranked at 12 you consistently had him ranked at 12 he literally gave a goose egg this past weekend against the giants 
0.0 fantasy points. Dallas Goddard, and this is probably actually my, I have probably not just your rankings. I think so many people have Dallas Goddard ranked. And I, for one, think he's one of the most overrated fantasy assets in football. Yeah, I, I can see that. Because here's the stat line, literally zero. He had 6.2 the week before that, 2.8 the week before that, 4.3 the week before that. It's like, where's the top 10 fantasy production? Where's the top 12 fantasy production? Even at tight and end, that's bad. My expense too, because I believe I have Zach Ertz not too far from behind him, if yeah, I remember you have correctly. Zach er- Actually, you have Zach Ertz at 11, which oh, okay. Zach Ertz has been say- better since he's been in Arizona. See, that's what I was going to say, because I was like, well, it's counterpart of Zach Ertz. I was going to be like, because I forgot I had, I didn't realize our, I forgot I had him at 11 because I didn't check him earlier today. But uh, Zach Ertz I, had 24 points this past game yeah, against Seattle. Because I was like, Zach Ertz, for me, is better than Dallas Goddard. And I think now, obviously, the Eagles had a choice between him and Goddard. But I, I wish they would have more or less chose Ertz because Ertz, for me, is a more reliable tight end than Dallas Goddard is. I think since Dallas Goddard had that pop-off year when Zach Ertz went down, I think they went like, okay, we like Goddard a lot. Zach Ertz can get out of here. And now they're realizing, like, probably really like, man, Zach Ertz is going off. He's going crazy in Arizona right now. Well, for them, they, speaking of doubling down, they doubled down on their decision on Dallas yeah. Goddard. They paid him an extension a couple weeks ago, I remember seeing. A pretty yeah, they gave him a rich one, extension. too. Which yeah, was, it was a very expensive extension. I think it made him the highest paid tight end, which is just insane when you think about, I think he's getting paid more than George Kittle right now. Yeah, he is. And it's bizarre because I saw that too. And I was like, really think Dallas Goddard is better than George Kittle, Darren Waller, you know, these guys who are insane. And, you know, <laughs> you're giving them this big contract. <laughs> I think that's part of the problem with NFL contracts in general, because I mean, again, we've talked about it with Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Like we don't uh, think Baker Mayfield is the top ranked quarterback in the league, but Baker's people are saying, well, we want a top ranked quarterback contract. We want the next person in a line contract. I'm sorry, Baker, you're not getting $40 million. And if you are, then it would be a stupid decision by the Browns. And the thing is, Andrew Barry is not that dumb to do that either. And I'm sure Andrew Barry is looking at this like, all right, I'm going to franchise because a lot of us think he's going to get franchise tag at the end of the year. We don't think he's going to get a contract. We think he's going to get the franchise tag. No, and there's no defense for anyone to say that Baker Mayfield should get anything other than a franchise tag coming off this year. This year play, like what has he done that says I'm – deserve a three four-year contract and and Andrew Barry's thinking that too and I'm sure he is he's like this has got to be a franchise tag because number one it's not his best year number two you know he's been injured nine almost 90 percent of the year so it's not a season where you know you got fully healthy potential Baker Mayfield you got torn labrum broken knee broken foot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> broken body cast Baker Mayfield and for some reason you keep throwing them out into the wolves you keep throwing them in there and it's like luckily we have a bye week this week where you can just be like okay he could finally heal a little bit <laughs> and get some rest yeah well you know hey obviously you're gonna answer these comments on Instagram later after we finish recording here but actually we did get some early comments on your rankings come in want to just quickly answer these ones here yeah absolutely how Taysom Hill that high bro how Taysom Hill that high because he's a dual threat quarterback. <laughs> Kyler at five, even with the ankle. Absolutely. Kyler is a very effective quarterback. Tight end. I feel like Foster and Logan Thomas deserve more love. I'm banking on Foster this week with Waller out. We discussed that one. Yeah, agreed. Foster should be higher. Logan Thomas just kind of worrying about his injury. Okay. Well, those are the three comments right there. Um, defensive rankings. Um, I mean, you have Colts against Houston. I could see that working out. Tampa Bay against Atlanta. I could see that working out. 
Dolphins at Giants, Eagles at Jets, okay, fine with the top four. Rams at Jaguars, fine. Minnesota at Detroit, I, you know, maybe I could make an argument for I think Minnesota could be a little higher, but Arizona at seven against Chicago, the Patriots at eight, tougher matchup against Buffalo. Cowboys at Saints, we'll see here. Bills at Patriots. I would say, you know, that I, I guess if you have the Bills and the Patriots relatively in the same range, sports betting advice, you betting the under in that game, Drew? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Ravens at 11 against the Steelers. Okay, that's fine. Chiefs at Denver, which, yeah, that one might be stand out to some people, but I'm with you. I actually picked up the Chiefs in that one, too, because the Chiefs defense has sneakily been stealing turnovers recently. So I can make that argument. Yeah. Kicker rankings. Man, Justin Tucker at one. What are you doing, Drew? Come on. Get it together, know. man. Absurd. Yeah. Uh, great Joseph at three. Great call. Great call there. Um, no, <laughs> it's whatever. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> hope you enjoyed this ranking show. Maybe we could do some more formats like this, like down the line as we kind of continue to get more content. I think it was an interesting one. It was a little bit different than reviewing the week before. Um, if you like this, let us know. Let us know in the comments. At Sumpbuster Podcast on IG, at Sumpbuster Pod on Twitter. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a like. If you're watching this on iTunes, then go ahead and leave a five-star review. Check out our partner in Caveman Cup. Go, don't be a jump. Use promo code at cavemancopco.com. Promo code slump from Juju Talk Sports and Drew Hagenbaugh. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time.